we've all been forced to pivot. It's not just construction, but construction especially. So for those, I mean, that's been a good and a bad thing in terms of having to adopt that uh, technology at breakneck speeds. Mm -hmm. That's been a good and a bad thing. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is Carol Fillion. She is an industry consultant that has spent 15 years working in construction software in various capacities. Her involvement ranges from technical and educational communications to product marketing, providing the interpretation and translation between product management and industry end users. Carol has seen firsthand the various construction process pain points that the right technology could address to help businesses become more efficient and profitable. Her focus has been and continues to be to give voice to the industry and open the channels of communication in order to help construction management and staff gain a better understanding of strategies, products, and best practices. And we're both active members of the Construction Progress Coalition dedicated to helping to advance the industry. Welcome to the show, Carol. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great. Absolutely. I'm excited. Me as well. So how'd you get into construction to begin with? Oh my goodness, kind of haphazardly really. And it was really through the technology side. So I've never been a boots on the ground person. It's always been technology from that. I mean, the closest I've come to being a boots on the ground type person was driving the last nail in somebody's dock. So that was it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's all right. That's all right. I'm in that same boat. You probably wouldn't want to live in or work in anything that I built for you anyway. So <laughs> takes all kinds of people. <laughs> So there's kindred spirit there, right. but the thing with, uh, with technology though, but I've always been a tech nerd and that's been my entire career has been involved in technology in different capacities and, and for different industries. Yeah. Um, so with uh, construction, I found it fascinating actually, because at the time this was, you know, when we're talking uh, well over 15 years ago that it was more, um, it, the technology piece was I wouldn't say in its infancy, but it was just really starting to take off. And sure. uh, so that's where I, I found it really, really interesting because it was uh, a merging of two very different worlds. And yeah. so that's, that was, uh, that was it for me. Yeah. So, and it was as a, a tech writer, to be honest. So it was really getting into the weeds and understanding not only their pain points, but how this, the, the solution solved it. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially from a, a technical writer taking something that can be incredibly complex and tedious and trying to uh, not dumb it down, but try to like put it in layman's terms as well, too, that somebody can yeah. understand it and not just the super technical. No, absolutely. And, it, and the thing that I found, too, was that, I mean, at the time, you know, historically providers had you know, they would take a look at the processes and then they try to translate it into their technology. And that was where uh, then they try to uh, emulate what they were doing in their respective technologies. Well, that was all well and good, but I think, especially from the technology side, so I, I was kind of sitting in the middle, right? So from the technology side, they were thinking, well, you know what, anybody working in this, they're gonna understand the language. They're going to see that ring of familiarity and they'll just be able to pick this up by osmosis. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that work for him? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
hand on the buzzer. (laughs) (laughs) So it was, uh, it was an interesting time. So that where that was where I was essentially bridging the gap (laughs) between, between what the technology provider was imagining and what was actually being delivered and so at the time too yes there'd be some training that came with it of course they wouldn't just you know but that training was really feeding them with fire hose and it was also well if that's not enough then there are there is very specific training and that would cost a little bit more so their initial investment would always kind of get ratcheted up and I think that made some people kind of wary about Oh, for sure. In technology, to be honest. So yeah, that's uh, that was my observation at the time. Yeah, yeah that scope creep was was real. Uh, Ooh, so very real. Yeah. Your vantage point, then, what have you noticed when it comes to tech adoption throughout the construction mm-hmm. industry? What are some of the the trends that have been happening recently? Well, it's it's really kind of interesting because it keeps. I keep. There's a French saying that keeps coming to my brain, and that is plus ça change, plus c'est la même chose. And what that means is that the more things change, the more things stay the same. Yeah, that is very <laughs> true. It's very true. <laughs> in some in some ways. But you know, because I mean, still, if there isn't a, a compelling reason to adopt, nothing's going to change. There has to be a direct line between, yeah. you know, increased productivity, reduced rework, and all of those good buzzwords that we hear all the time. But I think that what's happened and what's been really interesting is the last two years we've all been forced to pivot and so it's not just construction but construction especially so for those i mean that's been a good and a bad thing in terms of having to adopt that uh, technology at breakneck speeds Mm -hmm. that's been a good and a bad thing so good in that those that were already on board the technology train they got it they hit the ground running they were fine those that were sitting on the fence got off real quick. Mm-hmm. And those that were never really convinced had to jump in and almost sort of, you know, keystone cops a little bit. Not, you know, I don't want to make it sound like really, uh, but it was it was kind of a forced change. And forced change sometimes, you know, it's that, what is it, first laws of entropy, the more with every with an increase of activity there's an equal or greater increase in waste yeah so then that was you know they 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 caught up and uh, a lot of them to their credit have just done phenomenal in terms of being able to weather that Mm -hmm. and so I I, I've always been uh, really um, impressed with that kind of uh Resilience, I guess yeah. that's the word I'm I'm looking for. Because if an industry has ever had to be resilient, <laughs> construction is it. Oh, right? for sure. But I you think that what I mean? the what the the last two years really proved in the construction industry is, you know, the people that were on the fence proved several things. <laughs> the people that were yeah. on the fence, they. Mm-hmm. they you know they were forced into to changing and embracing tech, but they mm-hmm. realized that it wasn't as scary maybe as as what they they thought it was, and that the Exactly. Some of the the tech was actually ready for prime time when they were, you know, just kind of sitting there with their their arms folded across the chest and like uh, I don't want to do it until they had to. Um, and then uh, they found that so they they found that it wasn't. I totally lost my train of thought there. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. But I think I, I'm following you though. But I think what the the part that maybe was less scary for them as well is that once they did jump on board the technology train, they found their providers to become more of a partner rather yeah, than just sure. somebody selling them a bill of goods. It isn't a question of that. 
And you know, you brought up the Construction Progress Coalition, and I think that's why their work is so important because that's what they do, right? As they bring together, you know, the construction companies, the industry partners, the technology providers together at the table. No branding, no selling, no nothing. It's having good, honest discussion, unpacking stuff, and going, "All right, how do we fix this?" Mm -hmm. Or what is there to fix? Is it something that needs to be fixed? Is, you know, it, it's having that conversation. And I think that's where it's been an eye-opening experience for those that were on the fence, like you said, and, and those that maybe wouldn't have their arms crossed, uh, that, that didn't want to jump on. Their, yeah. their providers became more like partners. Yeah, and it, I agree it puts with that. their mind at ease. Hey, innovators. Is there a way to prepare your company for successful implementation of technological innovation? After over 115 episodes talking with some of the best minds in the construction industry, the answer is a resounding yes. There are building blocks that you can put into place that will form the foundation for your company to successfully implement technology. I have compiled my thoughts from those conversations into a new ebook simply titled Foundational Building Blocks for Successful Tech Adoption. You can download the ebook for free at our website, bridgingthegappod.com. After you have, I'd love to hear your feedback. As always, keep innovating. Yeah, I, I think an, another interesting thing when you, you bring up, you know, bringing people, different voices and stakeholders around the table, I, I, it, the last two years has made it easier for that to happen because you don't have to be there in person and those barriers for conversation became a lot lower. And so you could jump on a Zoom call and spend 15 minutes, you know, 30 minutes chatting it up yep. with somebody that you probably would never have access to or through LinkedIn and, and reach out that way as well too. So I, I think those, you were able in a strange way to, to work and, and grow your network and build relationships in the digital mm -hmm. world, even though you weren't physically around each other. Now it's, right. it's awesome that things are opening back up and I'm super excited to be physically around people again, but. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Aren't we all. <laughs> there's blessings to both. So. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, one of the things that uh, we chatted about before the episode was the, the psychology aspect of tech yeah. adoption as well too, and, and how that factors into it. What are your thoughts on, you know, maybe the, the psychological barriers or hurdles that people have to uh, kind of climb over in order to really, truly embrace the, the tech world? Yeah, there's, there's a number, <laughs> there are a number of uh, barriers for sure. And I think psychology, I like the term, I'm not afraid of it, but a lot of people find it a scary term <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> when really at the it, end of the day, it's really about understanding human behavior. Mm -hmm. That's the part that really is, and I think of the very basic, um, um, it, it just a, to have a basic understanding of like, you know, who are your introverts and who are your extroverts, even just as basic as that and understanding what makes them tick and how and who's going to work well with somebody else and, and that kind of thing, you know what I mean? So from that perspective, I find that um, the, the psychology in terms of tech adoption you're going to find different people respond differently based on their own uh, personality, their personas, their, you know, that kind of thing. Now, one of the things that I've, I've been part of a couple of panels and in, an, in a, a, at least two of them, the, the topic of champions 
came up. And I think that is absolutely brilliant, especially having champions throughout the organization. So you've got, you know, in, in the C-suite as well as in, out in the field, and you've got, and all throughout that chain, you've got a champion that is A, the ambassador for that tech. They understand the tech. They know how to, how to run it. And they can be like kind of like the, the support to that particular cluster, if you will, to their own individual piece of that uh, of the chain and that way there's a a comfort level and b it gives people the champions especially it gives them an opportunity to kind of broaden their own roles i think that for any business owner that absolutely drives engagement and loyalty because that's an investment in their human assets by placing or starting a, a champions kind of uh, approach to doing things. So whether that be the champions for tech adoption, whether that's champions in terms of dealing with the, the data, you know, content sprawl, whatever, right? It, it's it's address the problem and where it sits in throughout the workflow or throughout the chain and put get get those people and have them come forward and say you know what i can do this i can i can actually take care of this i'd love to love to do that because you know you get to a point you do your job you know it you know how to put out the fires you know how to right it becomes it becomes routine but this right. is a way of not only being able to get more engaged in the company in a, in a company-wide effort it's also an opportunity to kind of broaden your own scope, their own individual mm -hmm. scope. Yeah, sure. So I, I think you said two things that were really profound in that answer. One is don't, don't underestimate the importance of just social dynamics in a group. And you want people Absolutely. to be form a group that works well together, that they form a tight, cohesive culture. And I think some people probably hear me say that and they're like, well, this is, we're not going to sit around and sing Kumbaya. I'm not talking about everybody no. agreeing with each other all the time. I'm talking about just dynamics working and you can challenge somebody and mm -hmm. still get along with them. You know, you, you think yep. well of them, even if you don't agree on everything. Um, and so yep. I think that's really important to foster that. And then the, the second thing um, that, that you said that really stood out to me is, and you didn't necessarily phrase it in these words, so I'm going to paraphrase it, but really lean into the person's passion. And if they are excited about something and you, you see them kind of lighting up when they're talking about it and they're passionate to go do it themselves, lean into that and empower the employee to say, all right, you brought up this issue. Go find some results, yeah. go, go find some solutions and bring it back. And yeah. let's pull yeah. you into this process and make you the champion and Huh, a key stakeholder in that. Absolutely. Right down to, hey, if you need a budget, let me know what it is. If, if we can make it work, we will. If we can't, all right, find another way. Yeah. But it, it, it exactly, it challenges them to be, they're a piece of that puzzle. Mm -hmm. Now they're trying to figure out, all right, I know where I fit in now. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it gives them ownership of like, they're going to make it want to work as well too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so impressed because there are a lot of construction companies that are out there that have uh, what you would call like a cultural uh, commitment 
to yeah. their human assets. You know, they'll have mentorship uh, uh, programs, uh, 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 internal leadership training, scholarships, internships, those types of things. I think mm -hmm. those are super important. But this, the champions thing is even another layer of that. That's using your existing staff and, and giving them, like you said, ownership yeah. in that process and in, that, in the company. Right. So, and, and I, I truly believe that that does drive engagement and loyalty. And, you know, at the end of the day, even if they want to boil it down, they think, you know, I'm like, I'm going to use your phrase instead of, okay, if, if it's sitting around uh, singing Kumbaya, then <laughs> tell me this, riddle me this, how much is it going to cost you to replace that employee? As opposed to finding ways to keep them. Right. Kum Kumbaya, here we go. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. I like it. Everybody sing along. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's a, 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 it's, it's a cool trend that I do. I, I agree that there's more construction companies that are putting this kind of front and center and, and putting more resources to it. I, I think a, a potential hurdle in more adopting it is it, it's almost a bit countercultural to the construction industry because in order to empower the employee to, to go kind of run with their passion, you're going to have to also give them the space and the freedom to say, it's okay if you fail and it doesn't work the exact way that you are thinking, but we're going to use this as a learning experience and learn from it and grow from it and strive for that continual improvement. And that's kind of scary because failure is a four letter word that nobody wants to <laughs> talk about, Absolutely. especially in construction, you know, when margins are tight, oh. you got to be on point all the time. Right. I mean, and it, there are no failures. There are lessons mm -hmm. period. And yeah. if that, if, if we can shift our thinking to looking at that, looking at it that way, then it makes a big difference. How do you encourage that information to really be bubbled up from the end users, the people that are, you know, dealing with the day-to-day -day problems of their, their workflow or whatever's going on. Right. Okay. So first off, yeah, they're, they're, they're working on the day-to-day, -day, like you said. So that's the first challenge. So what you want to do is you want to be able to find a way that is easy for them to convey that information in the moment. Hmm. Now, mm -hmm. if you have an introvert, and an extrovert, I'm gonna go back to this, right? You ever fill out those forms that say, how do you want us to contact you? Oh, and yeah, one is sure. phone and the other one is email? Yeah. What do you think the introverts are gonna do? Email yeah. me, right? Yeah, and sure. the, the extroverts getting their energy from people, being around people, call me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. And, and so they're different, right? You got to be able to find, put in the, the super easy mechanisms in place to be able to bubble mm -hmm. that up. So whether that's a Slack channel or, hey, pick up the phone, this is your point person, that's who needs to know this, or uh, email, a text message, uh, WhatsApp, whatever, it, it, whatever works in the moment, that's where you take advantage of that technology. Mm -hmm. Even if it is getting on a quick Zoom call and go, okay, now this is pressing. I, I, otherwise, I would have waited, but this is pressing. So, can we talk about this real quick? Then yeah. it's a phone call. Reduce right? the friction. So it's reduce the friction. Thank you. That's my favorite word, honestly. It's it, when it comes to that. Seriously, it's yeah. it's 
there is so much of it that it's in 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 our effort to make things easier we've made things so complicated Way more complicated <laughs> yeah. absolutely so if we just boil it down to okay these are the people that are out there this is what they deal with so what would be the easiest way for them to send that information yeah right and there always is that's why so many technologies now have <laughs> like apps on the the ipad right right because yeah, they're sure. doing it right then and there i'd love to get your thoughts on how people should really think about training as they're, they're looking to adopt a new technology. The training is only as good as what's actually going to be applied. So training, I think needs to happen in smaller chunks. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we kind of missed the boat on a lot of the times. It just, it, it, I, I keep thinking back of when I learned how to ski, right? You do mm -hmm. it without the poles first, right? You're just yeah. getting to know how to turn and you know, and then then you add then you know you keep adding to it but right. you need to get that quick hit of training go digest go apply it all right you're good with that good let's go to the next one mm -hmm. go digest go apply it and so on and so forth it just it needs to be built in layers and there are a lot of companies that are out there that really understand this and they know how to roll it out yeah. and 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 so you know that's another thing that i think that the construction industry should be working with outside people that know their skills they either know training or they know about human behavior if they're having a particular problem maybe things aren't bubbling up from the field or whatever there are so many companies that are out there that can do this kind of thing but mm -hmm. i'm not one of them by the way <laughs> so <laughs> But I know a lot of people in that uh, in that field. So I think that's one of the things that, like I said, we miss the boat on it because we figure, okay, well, listen, we'll take that way and then go, you know, you go do the, go learn this. And they get fed with a fire hose. They come back, they're deer in the headlight, and then the pressure's on them to be able to apply what they've learned and they'll maybe retain 10% of it. Right. So, so why not just teach yeah. them? Yeah. So why not just teach them a 10%, send them away, let them do that. Mm -hmm. come back. It just, you know, it's, it's an incremental thing. It has right. to be. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It has to be incremental. You can't just go conquer that black diamond on your, your first run. Probably not going to end very well for you. <laughs> <laughs> it There's a reason they have those colored <laughs> tier systems. <laughs> that would be, you know, some mountains are trickier than others. They just sharp yeah, turn it off shape. and you are yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly know the shape know the shape <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> yeah the bridging the gap podcast is brought to you by applied software with solutions for the modern project applied software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real world expert consultants their comprehensive array of solutions for aec mep and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Who should people really be looking to for some inspiration when they're, they're thinking through culture and um, you know, creating a healthy environment for the company? Two of the people that I like to follow are Simon Sinek and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. 
And yeah. Simon Sinek is because I love him and his start with why. And mm -hmm. if I would have any, any recommendation for anybody is go find his start with why YouTube presentation for TEDx and it, it's mind blowing. It's brilliant. And I mean, he's built an entire industry on it because it makes so much sense. It is mm -hmm. so brilliant because unless people know why they're doing what they're doing, they're not gonna, nothing is gonna happen. Everything is gonna be dead in the water. And people don't buy, that's his line, right? It's like people don't buy what you do, they mm -hmm. buy why you do it. Yeah. That's huge. That's a huge shift in, in perspective. Oh, for sure. It, it's funny, the unpacking the why has come up in so many of the, the recent conversations that I've been having. And yeah. it, it's, it's on people's minds. It's front and center. It is. And not just the, the why from the top. Mm -hmm. It's the why to every stakeholder along the way and every vantage point on that. Because while the core stays the same, how you're mm -hmm. talking about that and uh, there's, there's nuances that are different from somebody that's, you know, swinging a hammer in the field versus sitting in the office and the CEO of the company. They're, the company why is the same but their why and their impact on the company obviously is going to be different. And so you right. need to explain it from those different angles and get everybody bought in to the mm -hmm. commonality why of the company. Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> those were all great words. <laughs> Sometimes I can string together. I said, it's not all the time. <laughs> Sometimes I really struggle. <laughs> those were all great words. Loved them. So let's kind of shift over into the provider perspective. Do you think okay. it's incumbent on providers, the software providers to make it less intimidating for people to embrace new tech? And if so, how would you advise they go about that? I think it's incumbent on both the, the tech provider and the companies that the, the, uh -huh. the consumers of yeah. that technology. I think it's 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 a partnership, as I mentioned earlier. This is where um, I've been happy to see that there have been a lot of um, uh, technology companies that have like customer advisory boards, that kind of thing, where they take a sampling mm -hmm. of their most engaged and and power user uh, customers, and yeah. they have that roundtable discussion and and hash out some of the shared pains and so on and so forth, which is great. That's very specific to their technology, but. Um, and, and they also, you know, and having their own um, customer experience days and, and those types of things. I think that is where the, the, the tech providers are doing a great job in terms of getting involved as, and becoming partners. But yeah, the, the, it, it's incumbent on them to kind of find ways to make it so that it's more a conversation and I, I'm going to refer back to a, one of my favorite TV shows, which is New Amsterdam. And his line is, how can I help? Because that's really what they're there for. They're there to help. Yeah. But it, there's, there's that perceived, hmm, right? That sure. maybe a little bit of, the, and that's, I think, kind of like a, a, an unspoken friction, maybe, right? That, mm -hmm. that kind of, that seems to be there but it's not it, it's it's incumbent on the the provider to be able to always be 
and the servant leadership role. Yeah. Lead with a servant's mind and a servant's heart to be yeah. able to be able to understand what it is that would make it easier for their client, their customer, and also open the door to that customer being to able to have a positive impact perhaps on the product roadmap, on where that product should go. And that's where those conversations, again, the CPC opens the door to that. But like I said, those a lot of companies with the customer advisory boards, they do a great job in doing that. Uh, they do a great job with customer advisory boards and, and opening those doors and having those conversations so that yeah, their product then can go into the direction that is going to serve not only their best clients, but also the rest of their, uh, of their followers. Yeah, absolutely. I more than agree with all that. Um, so if we flip it then on, cause you said there's a, there's a partnership there, which I agree. Yeah. Um, what's the role of the leader of the construction firm in the process? I think to ask the hard questions, <laughs> you, you want to make sure, yeah, they have to, right? I mean, it's yeah. their job. They have to do their due diligence. The tech provider is ready for that. They should be. And if they're not, well, <laughs> that's then back to the drawing board, but they have to do their due diligence. What is it that works? What is it that doesn't? Just because nothing is going to be working 100% and line up exactly unless there's you know some sort of customization or that kind of thing but what you want to do is you want to see how aligned this particular technology is with your sops for example right you want to make sure that there's at least it, the, the the important pieces mm -hmm. right what is it that lines up what's the nice to have what's the need to have mm -hmm they need to be crystal clear on what the need to have is if that isn't met you need either need to have keep looking if you can't find it find the one that is going to be most flexible in terms of helping you meet that need to have for your company yeah do you think that uh, a lot of construction companies have thought through what the need to have list is, or when it comes to technology, are they looking through the, the different software providers and just kind of getting overwhelmed of like, ah, well, that feature I think I need, but you know, this feature I also think I need and they don't, they're not on the same platform. You know, what do I do? I don't know. Absolutely. And it depends on who you talk to within that company, sure, right? The IT sure. person's going to have their own needs. The, the owner's going to have his or her own needs. The right? Everybody mm -hmm. has a project manager or product PX is going to have their own needs. Everybody is going to have their own needs there. So it depends on who you talk to. So the, at the end of the day, whoever is making the decision needs to be able to identify, all right, who's influencing this, who's actually going to be using the software, because if, if it comes from the top down mm -hmm. and the end user wasn't involved, in the selection process, right. that it's never going to get. They don't have I mean, any stake how many, in it, so they don't care. <laughs> exactly. I mean, how many? We've seen this, right? I mean, how many times sure. does a, a particular solution just get shelved? And it was probably perfect for them, but they had no way of leveraging it because they didn't have end user buy-in. Again, this is where the champions come in, and the champions can start right at that level at the time that they're looking 
then you put your team together. Who are your stakeholders? Who are the personas that actually need this and need to use it? And what are the what are the predictive analytics that you're trying to pull from this? If there if this is the type of product that it is, like mm -hmm. what is it that you need to have, and what would be nice to have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the nice to haves shouldn't. But like you said, everybody. Well, I think I want this. I think I want that. They have to. They have to. They know their business. And everyone should know their individual piece of that business. So they come to the table with their needs that need to have through their champions or as the champions representing that that yeah. uh, that area, if you will. Yeah, for sure. I think it's another good opportunity place for that partnership to yeah. uh, shine. And that the, the tech provider can come and say, hey, these are the kind of personas that we see often needing to have a voice in this process, in this conversation. And we want to make sure that their, you know, concerns or questions are, are heard throughout this process. And so, you know, they're, they're coming to the table, kind of bringing that industry standard list, if you will. And then yeah. the construction company, it's the onus is on the, the culture aspect of that company to be empowering their people to be finding what their employees are, are passionate about and encouraging those concerns and those, Hey, this could be done better to be bubbled up. And so they've already kind of pointed out their champions, even if they haven't, uh, you know, totally unleashed them on a particular project, but they know that, you know, Johnny is really passionate about RFIs. And so yeah. if you're going to do an RFI, you're going to go over to Johnny, uh, yeah. where, you know, other, other people are, are, have their own other areas of interest too. So I, I Absolutely. think it's And when you're going back to your question, your original question of, you know, how can construction companies, what is it that they need to do in order to be mm -hmm. able to identify it right out of the gate, ask for use cases, ask for customer testimonials, because mm -hmm. in those testimonials, they'll find hints, right? When I'm looking for something and I'm looking for a review, I look for specific stuff, not just what the marketing material tells me. And I'm not saying anything against marketing. I'm in the marketing. So but sometimes some people will get into the weeds and they'll say specific things in their, those reviews sure. that you kind of go, oh, yeah, I could use that. Oh, OK, that makes sense to me. So get those use cases, get those customer testimonials, find out. It's like, hey, give me your top three clients and uh, see if I can call them. Call them. Yeah. Why not? Right. Why not? This is I, a big investment. Yeah. This is your yeah. livelihood. I, this is your livelihood. You're going to make a big investment. You're proposing to make a big investment. And, and it is, and big is relative, right? But it's not just the purchase of it. It's the, the training, the upkeep, the right? And making sure. sure that it's getting leveraged and the time that it's going to take. Yeah. So, yeah. I agree. Well, if you could snap your fingers, I'm giving you all construction power. If you could snap your fingers and innovate one thing in the industry, what would you innovate? Oh, man. Oh, oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think it, it's going to sound really simplistic, but it um, finding a finding that way that everything is digitalized and searchable. Mm. It, because the minute it goes to paper, it's off the grid. Mm -hmm. So whatever needs to be done that, whether that, and that's a combination of 
the technology, the end user buy-in, and that the, yeah. that would be I giant finger snap there. But you know, it, it it's that I, I think that's the part that is probably that's that's utopia. But <laughs> yeah, that would be a, but it's a, that'd yeah, be an because, awesome power grab, <laughs> right? Power source, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like because it. you know, it, and because of human behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're stressed and, and things are going at, you know, rapid fire speed, then and you're going to go, OK, hang on. I don't remember how I'm supposed to be doing it. Forget it. I'm going to do it in this. Exactly. So and that what they were comfortable with might not necessarily be on the grid anymore. Mm -hmm. So this is where that, that that would be. Whatever can pull all of that in to. And just a yeah, that would be my magic yeah. <laughs> finger snap. <laughs> That's I like all it. I can think. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, well, switching out of the construction realm for a minute, you, you are a wine expert. Is oh the, my goodness, the word okay. on the street and the, <laughs> the the rumor. So, what is something about wine that people should know, but most people don't? One thing they should know at that they don't. Okay, so well they do, but if it, I don't think they realize that wine is a living thing. It's living in that bottle. It's been around for thousands of years. The the wine, or not that particular bottle. You know what I mean? I wouldn't drink that. But <laughs> <laughs> might turn into something else after a couple thousand years. <laughs> Or it would be an amazing, amazing, very highly sought after wine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a living thing. Like you can have, uh, like, let's say you buy uh, a case of Bordeaux and you have, it's a five-year-old Bordeaux. You have that first bottle out of the case and then you store the rest. You have another bottle three years down the road, completely different experience. Another five years down the road even like, wow, I didn't realize I bought this. This is really good wine. I didn't realize like, when did we get this? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's that kind of thing because it's always, it's evolving. And so long as it's stored properly, but it's always evolving and it, it's always changing. There isn't any set thing to, uh, to wine. And I think that's what I, I like about it. I mean, it's, it's a, it's everything coming into play. It's the terroir, the, the the way that it's manipulated the way the grapes are grown the, the way where how the the what side of the slope that the sun was facing and all yeah. that good stuff all of that comes into play because you can have a chardonnay from california and you can have a chardonnay from france but because of the very different climates completely different wine one is going right. to be way more acidic and the other one is going to have a bigger bolder uh, taste so it it fascinates me there are so many factors that come into to play so that's what yeah I think that when you're if there's one thing don't assume that just because you want you like Pinot Noir that it's going to be the same if you got buy a Pinot Noir from California or you get one from New Zealand or you get one from France yeah know, know what you're getting and do a little bit of research on it nice uh, that's awesome yeah uh, you know when you were talking <laughs> it made me think it, it's really and I've never made this connection before, but it's really, uh, um, it's a, it's a great analogy of construction of, of how yeah. construction projects get built. You know, every thing's a little bit different. You, 
they might do it a little bit different in Boston versus down here in Atlanta versus over West Coast in San Fran. And, you know, oh my God, all the culture God, plays in the tech mix. It's, I think that's really cool. That might be the, the name of uh, <laughs> this yeah, podcast exactly, episode was yeah. wine and construction <laughs> have in common. But <laughs> I, I think that's a great example. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a great analogy. I love this. I'm going to steal that. Sorry. I'm telling you yeah, that go right for now. It. It, it's called R&D, <laughs> rip off and duplicate. I love it. Uh, <laughs> well, how do people find out more information and connect with you? Uh, you find me on LinkedIn and it's Carol with an E. So in case, and it's not Philion spelt like Philion, like Nathan Philion, it's only one L. So that's the way I like to describe nice. it. I like to kind of lie a little bit when I've had too much wine to say that Nathan Fillion is my ex-husband, but he's not. <laughs> that's awesome. I like it. Well, last question for you. What yeah. does innovation mean to you? Oh my goodness. Innovation is, well, kind of like what that, the, the marriage of uh, creativity and discipline. Nice. That's I like I, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's where creativity makes discipline. Nice. So I, we all have ideas and everything else, but you got to have the, the discipline to make it happen. Yeah. So the innovation is the action part of correct creativity. Yes. I like it. So I asked all my guests that as the, the closing question and, uh, you know, whatever 140 episodes or whatever number we're, we're in now, wow. I always get a different answer and different shades of what innovation is. And so I, I think it's interesting. I've never oh, cool. gotten that combination and that equation before. Oh, cool. That's well, awesome. I'm glad I That's great. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Spot on. So I like it. That you asked that question. So I'm glad I didn't go back over. <laughs> You're good. No, I, it's, it's always new ground. I keep waiting. I mean, there's some commonalities and themes that, that pop up, but it's always it's always slightly different, different shade of it, which is Oh, awesome. very cool. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Carol, thanks so much. This was great. It's so much fun catching up with you and yeah. talking with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks for the work that you do. This is great because having these types of conversations, I think, is what really, really feeds the industry and, and teaches the industry and opens up the, uh, the channels of communication. So thanks for the work you do, Todd. Yeah, absolutely. More conversations, the better, I say. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And now it's time for my Todd takes from this episode. First take, there is a real need and hunger for good, honest, and healthy dialogue between different stakeholders with different vantage points throughout the industry. When we can get a diverse group of people who are invested in moving the industry forward to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, magic can happen. I know because I see it firsthand all the time as a member of the Construction Progress Coalition. We need even more of this. Second take, when thinking through tech adoption, there are three things that are important to understand. The first is human behavior. Second, team dynamics. The third, knowing and harnessing people's innate passions. When you combine this trifecta, you empower champions throughout the organization to bring forth the best growth ideas. And final take, I loved the analogy that we stumbled into at the end of our conversation using the similarities between wine and construction. Both are living and changing dynamics that are different depending on where you are. That isn't a bad thing. In fact, it is what provides the character and the taste. 
We just need to be aware of what we are working with instead of trying to change it into a different blend. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsor, Applied Software at asti.com for more information. You can listen to this podcast anytime by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. As always, I'm Todd Wyant, thanking you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Bridging the Gap is directed and produced by Todd Wyant, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2021.